This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Climber. Nashville co-writing is not what it used to be. If you want to be a pro songwriter in today's music business, you got to know how today's music pro songwriters co-write. And we're going to reveal that today on The Climb. Johnny, do that thing you do. Welcome to The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's the name of the game. Leverage gets you what you want. It's not about your talent. It's about what have you done with that talent. Who knows about it? Who's responding? Who's going to stand up and salute when you walk up into the room? And when people see that, then all the love comes into your lane really fast, but leverage is what you're going to need to get it in there. That's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxter name for my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's also a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got cuts of number ones in Southern Gospel. He's got top tens and top twenties in Australian radio. Like He's all over the place. He's worldwide. He's everything to everybody. And uh, what I love about Brent, he's trying to help you, songwriter, you, trying to help you get better by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on a regular basis, going to get you opportunities to create relationships with the pros to help advance your career. That's what it's about, man. Relationships, once you're competitive and you know how to make the donuts, then you need to have some people to talk to about the donuts. That's what Brent does. You can find him at songwritingpro.com. Once again, songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally, but identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's complicated, but thankfully, you know, he's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. 90s songwriters in Nashville. What are we going to learn? That is right. That is right. I'm stoked to get into this. This is actually from an article that a buddy of mine wrote. Really? Cool. And I read through it. And so it's from Steve Leslie, oh, okay. who's 
buddy of mine, hit songwriter. Love Steve. Yeah, he did a Know the Pro Force recently, so his stuff has been kind of popping up in the feed more. And this is from a, an article he posted on Indie Music Academy and just about songwriting in Nashville, how it's changed from like 1992 to 2022. And it's so good. I may get three episodes out of this. I was like, oh, there it is right there. Good. I don't have to do that's my show prep. Thank you, Steve. I text him. He's like, cool, share. Thank you. Here we go. He's a good dude, man. Like when I was working with uh, Abby Cohn back in the oh, day, yeah. like mm-hmm. he signed Abby to the publishing. I don't know if he's still over there with his pub no. company or not. No, it's a different deal now, but that was over at SNG, I believe. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And so I remember seeing that. I mean, he believed in her and she's got a deal now on Big Machine. Yep. And I just saw a post for her. She's playing her first like main stage CMA thing cool. this year at the 50th anniversary of the CMA. So it's like she's starting to climb that ladder. I love mm-hmm. seeing that, you know, in a small way, and but important ways. And Steve Leslie was a part of that. So that's really cool. Yeah. And Steve was also one of the guys that helped bring Chris Stapleton to town. Yeah. Like Chris thanked him on the CMAs, like when you've got his first like male vocalist or something, he mentioned Steve. So Steve's legit. And this is a really good article. I thought it just really kind of, you know, if you're like me, I've been told you would have been one of the top writers in town in the 90s, but you didn't move here till 2002 or whatever. This is for you. <laughs> right? Make sure we keep up with the time so we can adapt and just interesting look behind the curtain of how things are now versus then. Awesome. All right. Well, let's take care of some business first. Uh, Join the Climb community if you haven't done so already. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Climb community. You have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in. But this is where hopefully higher learning is going on, commiserating with people that are in the same sort of end of the gene pool that you are that are interested in becoming better craftsmen. These are people who are interested in becoming better songwriters, better artists, better marketers of their art and their music. And if that's the kind of hang that you think is cool, then by all means, just come knock on our door. (laughs) Yes. Take a step that is new. (laughs) (laughs) But every week we have a place for you to shout your name from the treetops, man, to talk about your gigs, talk about your new music, talk about your wins, like meetings and steps that you're doing. And there's lots of connections being made in this group with songwriters, co-writing connections, marketing connections, musician connections. I love it. We want you to be a part of it. And we share the wins. We like sharing wins every week. So what do you got this week on wins? That's right. So we don't have time to share all of them because there's just too much winning going on. But climber Bill O'Hanlon said, just came out of a great meeting with J.C. Badeau, who's creative director at Big Yellow Dog Music. It's a publisher in Nashville. A nice connection and conversation. He asked me to send songs occasionally when I had one I thought really worked. So that's great responsibility there, Bill. Mm. And Bill goes on to say, that's why being physically in Nashville is so critical or crucial. That in-person connection just can't be replicated over Zoom. So yeah, in the room, room beats Zoom. Zoom beats nothing. Yep. So it's not being there at all. Uh, let's see here. Michael Roth got some local press. Uh, he has a, posted a picture here. said, Michael Roth wins. We were talking last episode about what would your magazine cover be. And apparently his is, let's see, Panama City area something. His picture's over part of it. I don't know if that's budget or buffet or what the word is behind it, but it starts with a B-U and it ends in an E-T. But it says Michael Roth wins. So I'm like, ooh, winning. Look at all that winning going on. So congrats, Michael and Bill. And congrats, Michael. And congrats, O'Hanlon. Hell yeah, that's, that's awesome. Right. So all y'all, the rest of y'all, keep on climbing. There we go. So make sure that you follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume it and tell a friend about it. If you're spending this much time with this man, it's because you're getting something out of it. Help us help them. We want to get more people on board. We do this to help you. Mm-hmm. So help us help you help them right so do that help me yep. help me all right let's go 
All right. So this is from, again, my buddy Steve Leslie. He's a hit songwriter. He wrote Second Wind for Daryl Worley, Tennessee River Run with Daryl Worley as well. He's had cuts by Kenny Rogers, George Strait, just a bunch wow. of people helped bring Stapled into town. He's legit. He's a great songwriting teacher as well. Very smart dude. So He's a good human. Good human. I know. I dig Steve. So this was posted on Indie Music Academy, so shout out to them. So and I'm just going to kind of walk you through this first part of this. Uh, Steve moved to Nashville in 92. He says, and I signed my first staff songwriting deal two years later with EMI Music Publishing. At that time, there were over 30 record labels and 200 publishing companies, large and small, employing over 4,000 signed songwriters. Wow. Most of the ones I worked with were true songwriters, meaning not artist writers. They were just like straight up like I am songwriter, not artist. Right. So that was in say 94 when he signed that first publishing deal and then so it goes on outline the typical co-writing session in the 90s now i got to nashville in 2002 but it, basically this still holds true for what it was when i got there too walked and talked and smelled like the 90s yeah exactly it was like okay yeah it's not really different from this so as a professional songwriter in 1994 most days went something like this 10 a.m meet your co-writer either at your publishing company or theirs it was rare to write with more than one co-writer at a time. So these like two-way writes. Huh. So he'd walk in, hey, Bill, co-writer, whoever. I didn't know that. Already I'm learning. Yes. Yeah. Settle in with a cup of coffee. Break out the acoustic guitars. All right. So 94, here we go. So what do you feel like writing today? Oh, I heard someone say in this movie over the weekend, blah, blah, blah. So that sort of thing. You start off writing that way. What do you want to write about? I don't know. I heard this thing or got this thing in my hook book or whatever. You start throwing around ideas. About 1 p.m., Oh, no. After that, it's like, yeah, that sounds kind of like a George Strait kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, let's go with that. 1 p.m. Well, let's grab lunch and finish the bridge. 3 p.m. Great bridge. Sounds like a hit. <laughs> so that's your typical 90s co-write. So after you've written your song, then it's time to do a demonstration recording, which is what we call a demo. Mm -hmm. You can either do a simple guitar vocal or a piano vocal recording, but most often a full demo session was required. So that's talking, you know, you call up Larry Beard at Beard mm -hmm. Studios or somebody. Or Johnny. That was then, or Johnny these days, right? <laughs> and you're going, hey, give me the full shebang here. I want so-and-so. I want Lonnie Wilson on drums. I want Mike Rojas on keys. Yeah. I want Nate Fleener on fiddle, and I want all this stuff. And let's Let's rock. Let's go. Full band. Boom. Making a record kind of thing. Yeah. So that was then. This is now. Today in Nashville, and this is 2022, so when this came out, but basically still today, there are four major record labels. So before it said there were over 30. Today there are four major record, record labels and a smattering of small independent labels. So four big... What's the fourth one he's considering major, I wonder? Does he think it's Curb or does he think it's Big Machine? Uh, well, Big Machine, I'm sure, is one of them. You got your... But it's still kind of indie, though, right? Like they're kind of indie, but it's it's big, right? I mean, it's major. It's got major label grip. It's major, yeah. Yeah. You got like your Warner Brothers, your Sony, Universal. Those are the big three. Big Machine, that sort of thing. I just was curious if you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, he didn't say I'm here, but... Right. And he had some small independent labels, all being serviced by as many major publishing companies, so not a ton of major publishing companies. You got your BMGs and your Sonys, and relevant independent ones. So while sales of physical products, CD, vinyl, and MP3s are hardly worth accounting for, and the streaming pays a songwriter such a minuscule amount, spins at radio have become really the only game in town. That is like the major way to make money. Back in the 90s, you can make a living just off album cuts because yep. you'd sneeze. Colin Ray would sneeze and go platinum. Yep. And you got track number eight on there, and you're like, oh, that was platinum. I got one co-writer, 
And even if I don't have my publishing, it goes platinum. That's $91,000. And I get a fourth of that, like comes in as writer share. Yeah. So almost so just having a cut's worth 25 grand. Just basically 20 grand. Yeah. 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 On a album cut on a major and everybody's you know, got all these artists, all these labels, everybody's going platinum or gold. You can make some good money doing that these days. Not so much. It's all about radio. With this scarcity model in place, co-writing has become as much a strategic alliance as a creative one. Amen to that. That is faux true. So typical co-writing session in 2023. All right. Most days, if you're a pro writer, most days go something like this. 10.30 (laughs) a.m. It is, man. It's gotten pushed back. Meet your co-writers, S, at either your or their publishing company or in front of your computer for a Zoom call. And these days, it's rare to write with less than two co-writers at a time. And I wouldn't be sharing this if I didn't agree with this stuff. Like, yeah, true. Like, yesterday, I was writing with an artist and another writer. Day before that, I was writing with an artist and another writer. There are three of us. Mm-hmm. Like, so all my writes this week are like three ways. Mm-hmm. Settle in with a cup of coffee. Break out the acoustic guitars. So there we go. Hey, nice to meet everyone. I'm glad all our publishers got us all together. Congratulations on your record deal. You have to be so excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So what is what does he mean by this? In other words, these are hookups by publishing companies or by your And they're with an artist as opposed to a hard writer like who's not an artist. Right. Before Steve said most of his sessions in the 90s were with true like songwriters. No slash. Right. No songwriter slash artist. These days, I mean, both mine this week, one's with a Southern gospel artist, one's with a Canadian artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what my next one is, but it's probably with an artist as well. So that's how we do it these days. And so they're hooking you up. Uh, my friend, Tim Hunzi, who's veteran publisher in town, said these days, and he said this a few years ago, these days, his job is mainly calendar jockey, trying to build rooms. Yeah. Trying to build good rooms, strategically get this person from my camp into this person with that camp or that producer or that artist. And that's, boom, that's what it's so much about these days. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing on the typical writing sessions, so what kind of song do you need for your record? Not, uh-huh. not got any ideas. It's like, what do you need for your record? I mean, that is straight up how my last couple writes started. Yeah. Like, okay, for me this past week, I know both artists. I've written with both artists before. And so I kind of know what they need, mm-hmm. but it's more like, what are your ideas? How can I serve you? Mm-hmm. And doing that thing. So instead of two seasoned songwriters in a room, writers who have forged a unique musical relationship by drawing on each other's strengths over many years of working together, writers who can finish each other's thoughts. Now you have like three or more participants. You have the artist, you have the track guy, maybe two real writers, quote unquote, real writers, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the producer. Quite often, everyone's meeting for the first time. So totally different vibe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind 
and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So both of my rights this week, actually, I knew the artist had a pre-existing relationship with them. And I was bringing in a ringer, another writer that because both these are like younger writers, even if they're not all young, they're not as seasoned as like I am. And some of my co-writers are. And so I was working on let's build a good room. Hey, so-and-so, can I introduce you? Can I bring in my buddy so-and-so? He's awesome. You will love him. He's a beast. Yeah, let's do it. And both times it worked out really well. Like, oh, the artist had so much fun. I was like, this is great. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. And one of my buddies I brought in is also like a producer, can do demos. So he's like, hey, I'm going to start working on the track for this. I'll send you over some stuff, artist. You know, and so just trying to build a room that can win. Yeah. It's a different thing. Yeah. And we're writing for those particular artists. And you may get something that you can pitch outside, but that's definitely plan B. Yeah. My goal is to, I don't have to demo this thing because you're just going to cut it. And we go from work tape to W-2. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, it's not W-2. It's 1099s, but whatever. They both started with W. But it work tape to income. Work tape to income. I uh, know. I just want to do the alliteration. <laughs> work tape to W-2, but it's 1099. Anyway, from 1030 to 1099. Whoa! Whoa! There we go. <laughs> okay. That worked out better. All right. We go from 1030 to 1099. <laughs> I don't just song title challenge songs. I tend to song title challenge like everything I say. Sound bites. Yeah. Sound bites, which is kind of a problem sometimes. The curse of a lyricist. It's the curse of a lyricist. It is, dude. Anyway. Okay, back to what Steve was talking about. Most pro writers in the music industry tell me they would never get on the books these days with a fellow colleague unless an artist or producer is part of the co-write. Like, unless you're friends with Keith Urban or Luke Bryan, sometimes the artists in the room or oftentimes the artist in the room is someone commercial radio has never heard of yet, right? Mm -hmm. So baby artist, rising artist, hopefully. People don't know him yet. Now, if you can get with Luke Bryan or Keith Urban, yes, you're going to. But even if it's like some baby artist that I have on my books going, okay, if this works, though, it's going to be a cash flow positive day. Moneyball. Yeah. What does he do? He gets on base. <laughs> That's, he gets on base. That's right. That's right. Well, on that note, like I just was thinking about, I can't remember if you and I were having this conversation or if it was with somebody else, but when Taylor first came out, right, when she first came to town, Taylor Swift, like nobody would write with her. She was just, she just looked down upon like, here's some dumb 14 year old girl with dad has a lot of money and you're thinking mm -hmm. whatever, blah, blah, blah. But Liz Rose did. Yeah. Liz Rose wrote with her. And then, you know what? Like two records, man. Oof. And just what a decision that was. Seriously. Yeah. So yeah, how do you it's know? like if it works out, it could be really good. And 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 of course, it's not just about the writing talent that Liz Rose brought to that. And I'm sure some mentorship because mm -hmm. Taylor was young and learning the craft and all of that. Mm -hmm. But also, man, you're the first one to believe in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that probably had just as much weight, if not more, than we also wrote these great songs that did well together. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's huge. That is. Yes. And how do you know who that is? I don't know. I've put money on horses that broke legs and turned out just didn't have that fire in them to run. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to Liz Rose's, you know, to the Liz Rose example, like she hadn't done that with anybody else. Well, because there aren't too many of those that pop up for one thing. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like she's now she's with a lot of other writers in a lot of other bigger rooms writing songs for other artists. Yes. But it's like that is like a once in a lifetime thing. But you got to take that and then and you just never know how that's going to end out. Like maybe it's not the song that you're writing in the room with that artist who doesn't make it right now. But that artist turns you on to somebody else because it's a road that leads down because you're there mm-hmm. and you get to preach your gospel. You're in the game. You get to show your your talent. Yeah. And it's all about those relationships. Yeah, you're in the game. You're in the game. Yeah, that's right. That's a better way to say it. So today, recording artists are, quote unquote, encouraged by their labels and publishing companies to co-write because many are under a 360 degree deal with the label, whereby the label recoups, meaning, hey, the label, they're basically a bank, an investment company. They invest this money in this artist, recording, marketing, all that stuff, but they get to recoup, meaning they get to get that money back out of the artist from a variety of artist income sources, like including publishing. So 360 means all the way around, right? So they get a piece of all of it. So if they're going to get a piece of your publishing, they want there to be, they want that publishing to be worth something. So they're going to encourage you to cut songs that you wrote because it opens another cash register for the investor. It's another way they can get their money back. Right. So some artists are legit writers. That is a part of their artistry. That is part of who they are. No question. Others, they're more pushed into it and they're having to learn. And that's why you get to, like I said earlier, quote unquote, real writers in the room. Yeah. So we can help you. Yeah. But also not just because even if the artist is a legit writer, they're just young they haven't done this for 20 years because they've barely been alive for 20 years. Right. So that's part of it, too. So Steve says, I've had more cuts co-writing with artists than by any other means. And my experiences were usually good ones. The artists were talented writers, motivated and enthusiastic and an inspiring presence in the room. But there are also horror stories. Right. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's a thing. Yep. So on the outside, it may seem that writing with the artist increases your chance of getting the cut. But after co-writing for a new project, the artist may have a hundred plus songs to choose from. And your chances are about the same as not writing with the artist. So that's what he says, which I think is interesting. I, I would take a little bit of say that, say that one more time. So he says on the outside, it may seem that writing with the artist increases your chance of getting the cut. But after co-writing for a new project, the artist may have a hundred plus songs to choose from. And your chances are about the same as not writing with the artist. So I would take a little bit of a different angle on that, because if an artist is going to write nine or 10 of the songs on the record, if you're not writing with the artist, you basically have no shot. If you're writing with the artist, you're at least in the stack of songs they're going to choose from. It doesn't make it a gimme. Makes it possible. You still have to bring it. Possible, but it's still, he's, and he's saying it's just, it's a low percentage shot. It's though. still a low percentage shot. Don't think still, that. It's still a half court shot at the buzzer. <laughs> right. They're all that way, right? Yeah. So, yes, it gets you in a different stack of songs. I know with certain artists that I write with, that's the only way you're probably going to get on that project because they're just going to tend to write everything. They're just going to be more emotionally invested in the songs that they write because they were there when it happened. It's their babies, whatever reason, all the stuff and the financial stuff too, or the ego, they want to have their names on everything, whatever it is, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But if I can write a song with them, it gets me in a smaller stack that they're choosing from. And also it forges the other, which is opposite from the other way that we're discussing. Mm -hmm. It forges a relationship with the artist. So you get another opportunity to write with the artist again Mm -hmm. on a song that could make it on that cut. Exactly. Or even if you pitch, now you know the artist much better. Yeah. 
and you can go, oh, I think I got this thing that may work for you. That's a good point. Now that's the second ride is going to be a little bit more refined and a little bit more intentional than mm-hmm. the first ride because you got your head around the brand more. Oh, so it's fun. I've been writing with Haley Benedict. She is a young rising artist in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like she's already won like a CCMA and she's not even on a record label at this point. <laughs> she's she's, she's cool. She was on tour with Aaron Goodman. And so my buddy Doug Falkins, he brought me in to write with her. So I've gotten to know her some. And some of the songs you write with the artist, you wouldn't write outside of that. We wrote a song called Music Made Me, which is, I mean, the verses are her life. Like Keith Urban saw her in the 11th row with her sign and he pulled her up on stage. And these are moments that these days I'm making music, but the truth is music made me is the, is the thing. And so it's her story. It's her story about learning every lick to crazy train or whatever. And her dad being so proud. like, it is her life. And then we have this course that is a much bigger, like broad idea of like how music affects us all and Mm -hmm. how music makes us in a way. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have written that with anyone else. Yeah. But now if she doesn't cut it, no one else is going to cut it. Yeah. That's the downside. And that's something Steve mentions here because it's so specifically Haley. Yeah. I bet she's been playing it out, been getting great reactions. She loves it. So hopefully something will happen with it. But through that and getting to know her through a, several co-writes now, the other day I was writing with her and, you know, we had this idea that riffing off this idea that she brought in, cause I want to write her ideas, not mine because she's already has more investment in her ideas. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yes, let's go write your ideas and see if we can make something here. And I was able to throw out a line that is so her because I know her now, mm. like I, through the course of writing with her, tailoring things to her life. Let's not make stuff up. Let's just tell your story. Mm-hmm. But I was able to throw out a line. She's like, oh, yeah, you're going to know me way too well. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's a line that's very applicable. A lot of people can probably relate to it as well. But there's a little detail in there. They're like, that's Haley. Yeah. Like she goes, oh, I can totally say that because that's me. Uh, yep, that's me. Okay. Quintessential Haley, yeah. If that's just like, that's you, for sure. You're you're that girl. And so that's kind of the inside lane that you have when you're writing with the artist that somebody else, you're throwing a song and you just may not know. It's not the chance of that resonating more than this thing I wrote with her that is like totally her that you didn't make anything up. It's just like, this is truth. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's that's a hard one to beat. Unless you're doing like live like you were dying. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the bar, right? Yeah. And so writing with the artist gives you some other advantages. And so that's part of why this is so much more common these days than it used to be. Right. So now how do you get your songs cut in Nashville? Steve says, same then as now. It's about writing great songs and placing them in a situation where they can be heard. Being heard means being in Nashville. And he goes on to talk about that, which will be another episode. But write great songs put them in a place or get them in a situation where they can be heard. Mm-hmm. Reach in frequency. Yep. And you got to have a good product. Yep. So I tell people the three steps of successful songwriting or songwriting success, write great songs, build strong relationships, repeat. Mm-hmm. Or another way of saying, write, record, access, pitch. Yeah. Write great stuff, get it heard, get it out there, close the sale, make it happen. Yeah. And so that part hasn't changed. It just... You know how we talked, I think, in the last episode, strategy versus tactics? Mm-hmm. My strategy is I'm going to write great songs, and I'm going to get them in the hands of people that can say yes. Yep. Great. How are you going to do that? Well, it used to be the tactic was we'll get together with another great writer, best writers I can. We're going to write the best songs we can, and we're going to demo it and let our publishers run around town with it to get it in the right hands. The 30 different record labels. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a tactic. Now the tactic is more so the same mission, same strategy, write great songs, put them in a situation where they can be heard and somebody can say yes. Now it's more want to get the yes in the writer's room with us. 
Yeah, with the artist. So you try and get the yes into the room as the song is being created. So you know, I've told the story before. I was writing with Ruthie Collins. She's an artist on Curb Records. And we're working on this song, and there's this twist in the bridge. I wasn't sure whether we should take that twist or say this the certain way or not, and I'm kind of hemming and hawing. And finally she goes, you know, you don't have to ask if the artist would say it because I would say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm right with the artist. I wasn't as used to that then. Like, right, right, oh, yeah, right. right. I don't, we're not in a vacuum here. I just go look up and go, would you say this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Case closed. Discussion yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> thank next, you wow that's a lot easier next challenge yeah yeah awesome. moving on <laughs> so that's just what i wanted to share so steve is awesome you can uh, he has a songwriting course i want to give him a shout out it's called the fine art of songwriting that you can find at steveleslie.com just an awesome dude awesome follow he knows what he's talking about and i'm seriously thinking this may be the first in a series of these based off his article because okay. it went to a lot of stuff more than i can cover in one episode but it's like it's good stuff but yeah that's co-writing has changed again the strategy is the same as it's always been mm-hmm. write great songs put them in a position to get a yes and how we do that is changing so are you changing with that yeah not to say that you can't get a song recorded if you just write it with another great writer or by yourself and it's awesome it's you know you're moving away from the dartboard you're not exactly moving closer to the bullseye it's harder shot you can still hit it at times but it's not making it easier on yourself yeah but i just want to share that hey thanks for sticking around i have a gift for you speaking of writing great songs i have a free ebook pdf download it's called Six Simple Ways to Make Your Songs More Commercial. And it's my gift to you. You just tell me where to send it. I email it to you. Easy peasy. You can find it at six, the number six, simpleways.songwritingpro.com. It's also in the show notes. You can find it there, six simpleways.songwritingpro.com. And it's my gift. So thanks for hanging out. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that takes us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 